I'm Satya Nelms and this is Our Mother's Gardens. On this show, we discuss the seeds our mother sowed in us, the ways we have grown, and how we learn to blossom. In this space, Black women that have learned to define success on their own terms share stories of their beginnings, healing, and thriving. Welcome and thank you for being a part of this community of mamas, grandmamas, aunties, sisters, cousins, daughters, and friends. Today we are in the garden with my best friend, Patrice King. Patrice was born and raised in St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands. She moved to the Northeast to attend Wesleyan University, where she double majored in psychology and sociology. She then pursued her master's in organizational psychology from Teachers College, Columbia University in New York City. Patrice is compassionate about the intersection of education, technology, and the development of lifelong learners. In her first career, she consulted with educators, nonprofits, and co-founded a gaming company to develop spaces for deep learning, inquiry, collaboration, and creation. In 2018, she pivoted her focus to interior design, architecture, and self-sufficient living. She led the construction of a tiny home retreat and is currently developing a small farm in upstate New York. When you hear the word mother, what does that word bring to mind? Um, so I think for me, a mother is someone that nurtures, uh, someone that encourages growth and that like cultivates you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be like as a mother or it can be an aunt or a teacher uh, but for me, mothering is, it's a selfless investment of time and energy into essentially helping someone become their truest self. Mm. And when you think about the women in your life or the woman in your life who helped you, you know, who nurtured you and helped you to become your truest self, what woman or what women come to mind? I would say that I was mothered by many women. Um, the first that comes to mind is is my mother, my bi- my biological mother. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a single mom, but she built this kind of amazing support network of women to like help her raise me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second person that I think of is my mom's best friend. Mm -hmm. So as a child, I would introduce them as my mom and my second mom. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, Because they were, they were very much like partners. Um, My father, you know, kind of came in and out of the picture throughout my entire childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like it was, it was my mom and my second mom that really kind of took the reins and kind of shaping me into the person I am. And then, of course, there's, like, all of the sister friends that supported my mothers um, that weren't family by blood, but they were aunties, as I called all of them, nonetheless. The <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is kind of, a, I guess, like a black thing and a Caribbean thing. Like, you don't you don't call anybody by their name. It's like auntie so-and-so. Right, right. <laughs> um, so I would say that all of these women, in one way or another, kind of mothered me as a child and mother me still now gotcha so can you share a memory from being raised by your mother in this community of women 
So I think, so in my early childhood, um, mm-hmm. my mom worked, worked two jobs for a lot of it, right? Mm-hmm. So she had a day job and then she had a night job. Um, so I think a lot of my, a lot of my memories of childhood or my normal was, you know, my mom getting me up and getting me ready for school, making sure that I had breakfast and she was one of those moms where you couldn't leave the house without something warm in your stomach. So like, even mm-hmm. if I was unreadable, I had to have like a cup of Ovaltine to go along with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and my mother was also like, not that person that was letting you walk out of the house wrinkled. So <laughs> right. She, like iron my uniform and um, just make sure that I was like set to go to school. Mm-hmm. And then she would drop me off and then she would go to work. Um, mm. And then she would make sure that I was picked up in the afternoon. And then there was essentially kind of like a handoff to my second mom. Mm-hmm. So my second mom was a nurse, but she worked like the late night shift. So her, sh- her shifts usually started at like six or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so she kind of like squared me away in the afternoons, make sure that I had, you know, done my homework and, um, you know, that I had something to eat for dinner uh, that I wasn't watching TV until all of that stuff was done. <laughs> um, and then she, like, you know, got me into bed. And then there was another, like, handoff when my mom got, got back from her second job. So that, you know, I was I was always covered by mm-hmm. one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think my, like, you know, it sounds like you're being shuttled, shuttled around a lot. But I think that my memories of childhood are essentially, you know, of having two mothers and of having two homes that felt like home, like two houses that felt like home. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I loved, I loved the word that you used, you know, you were always covered, you Mm -hmm. know, like you, and, and thinking about, you know, the words that you associated, you know, with motherhood you know, you were always covered, you know, in, in the way that, you know, you, you meant it that, you know, someone was always there, but in that someone always being there, you were always covered in nurturing and covered by people who were helping you, you know, to grow, which is, you know, it's amazing. Um, yeah, I think both my mom and my second mom, like it was very important to them that I, that I felt or that I knew that everything that I needed was being provided for me, right? So there was no need to kind of like, kind of like seek things outside of the home, like no need to like get distracted or to like, I don't know, go down the wrong path for a lack of better word. Mm -hmm. Like both of them were very adamant about making sure that like, I knew that I like what I needed was being provided. And like not even not even just in not even just in like a tangible like oh you have food and house but like also also like emotionally and spiritually like it's funny I th- I feel like when um I think my senior year of college I took friends back back home with me mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know you don't really I feel like you don't you don't know how different or like you don't realize like the idiosyncrasies of like your relationships and how you were raised until like someone who is not 
familiar with you like observes it mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. like little things like when like it it wasn't weird to me that I had two moms essentially when I was growing up right right um, or like for example my second mom had like two two kind of nicknames like pet names that she would call me one of them was bookie mm-hmm. because as a child I loved to read like I would read anything mm-hmm. <laughs> like a, you know menu a book like anything um and then the other one was Butte or Beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a large part of like those nicknames, those pet names for me were like affirmations to myself of like my intelligence. And also that like you like I didn't need I didn't need some someone else to like tell me that I was beautiful or smart. Like those mm-hmm. were things that I was raised knowing. Mm hmm. So, you know, thinking about, you know, what you just said about all that was provided to you, um, all that your mothers made sure that you had so that, like you said, you didn't have to look elsewhere for it. Um, thinking back to who you were specifically, your, you know, uniquely you as a kid, is there any other ways that you can share that were in alignment with what you needed in particular, you know, not just like what, you know, all kids need, but what you needed and the ways in which your moms and that community provided that? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm the youngest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My mom has three kids and I, so my, my middle brother is 14 years older than me. Mm-hmm. And my oldest brother is 21 years older than me. So you can, mm-hmm. th- there's quite an age gap. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think that, I think that the mother that raised them and the brother, the mother that raised me were not that they were two completely different women, but like, you know, they, they got a, a woman that was in her like mid to late twenties. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and also who, who at least in the beginning was raising, was raising them with, um, with their father. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and she was an immigrant, right? So she immigrated from St. Kitts. So, you know, she raised them with a similar type of network because her, her, you know, biological sisters, her immediate family were back in St. Kitts. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like, you know, in your 20s, you have a different type of energy and different type of zeal and different priorities than when you're in your late 30s, which is when I when I was born, I was born in my mother's late 30s. Mm -hmm. Um, And then my brothers also, you know, had the opportunity to spend um, their early childhood before they were school age with my uh, grandmother and my great grandmother. Mm. And I think that 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 kind of like shaped their childhood where my childhood was, you know, a little bit more removed from the immediate family because, you know, she was older. My, my grandmother had already passed. My, my great grandmother at this point was in her late eighties. And, you know, I just think she was, she was a different, a different woman in, in my brother's opinions, far less strict. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but 
I was I was a kid that was like very rule bound. I I did not really like toe the line. I I really liked having structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that my mother's style, though it may have been more lenient um, than it was with my brothers, I think that you know it worked for me because that 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 was the kind of environment that I thrived in. And then both her and my second mom also like really like they observed like the little like, the little things, the like little idiosyncrasies that you see like flourishing in your child and you're like, oh like for example when I was when I was a toddler, I would always walk around on my toes, right? <laughs> <laughs> um and they saw that and they were like, Oh maybe we should put her in ballet classes. Mm. Um and then, you know, in addition to being a very, like, rule-bound and, sh- and sh- sh- structure-enjoying child, I was also really, really shy and just kind of, like, clingy to my mother. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they take me to that first audition, <laughs> um, and I sit in the corner crying because I'm terrified. <laughs> right. Oh. Um, but they they knew me well enough to know that it was something that would be good for me. Mm. Um, and they took me back. They took me back mm-hmm. to a one-on-one audition where they knew, they knew that it would be a better scenario for me to kind of like exhibit what I could do. Mm. Um, and I, and I danced from the time I was four until I was 20. Like I did ballet for almost my entire life, um, mm. or some other form of dance for almost my entire life. Uh, I think it's like little things like that, just kind of like tuning into both the spoken and unspoken like indicators of of the person that I was. Mm, right, right. So again, thinking about who you were as a kid, as an adolescent, were there things about the way that you were raised that were challenging for you? Um, I think when you become a teenager and you, you want to be more independent, Mm -hmm. um, I think that you're, you know, you always butt up against your parents, like rules and limitations. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the other thing is that my mom is, uh, is deeply religious. Mm-hmm. Like her Catholicism is a very large part of who she is as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result was a very large part of, of who I was as a child into my teenage years and even as a young adult. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, you know, as, as I moved away from home from, for college, um, or even, even at the point in my Catholicism where, um, where you really have to, I feel like the early parts of Catholicism, your parents are really, you know, bearing the weight of your faith, right? They're really like to continue going. But by the time you go through the sacrament of confirmation, like it's, you're, you're really taking on the reins of continuing, um, to continue in building your faith and like what your practice will be. And I feel at that point I started to not 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 outright question mm-hmm. but really just started wanting something different right mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
And that's not something that I felt like I could really articulate to her. Mm. So I feel like my shift, my shift in spirituality, um, I would articulate as something that like, I wish that I could have spoken more openly to her earlier about. Mm. Mm -hmm. I mean, now, now I feel like I can. And Mm -hmm. maybe part of that is just, you know, you have to, you have to find the balance between challenging what your parents want you to know and want you to be, Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, kind of taking on what you know that you want to do. So, Mm -hmm. right, right. So, you know, speaking of that, you know, that difference in, you know, wishing that you could have had those conversations earlier, but now being comfortable having them, you know, with your mother as an adult, how has your relationship with your mother evolved, you know, as you've gotten older and as you've become a mother yourself? There, (laughs) I get a little emotional thinking about it. I think, I think that our relationship has become much more open as the years have progressed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you know how your parents tell you, like, I can't wait until you have kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I feel like there's so many things that you either just you you can't wrap your mind around, or you just don't even think to think about until you've had kids mm-hmm. of your own right mm-hmm. and it sounds kind of cliche but like I like as you ask me this question as I say this I can remember a specific moment like probably four years ago five years ago when I, I wasn't even doing anything specific I was doing something with with my son and we were like coming into the house or going out of the house and I don't know he might have been having a hard time with something I don't even remember what the trigger was Mm -hmm. but I remember in that moment having this crazy kind of epiphany Mm. about some of the decisions that my mother had made some of the some of the choices she had made in the way that she she engaged in some relationships. Right. Um, and I was like, oh my God, like I completely, I completely understand that decision now. Mm. Like there's, there's nothing. I like, I can't think of anything that one of my kids could say or could do that would, that would make me cut ties with them. If that makes sense. Right. Um, and I felt like in my young adulthood, I witnessed my mother maintaining relationships and to me, from my perspective, making mistakes that just did not make sense to me. Mm-hmm. But once I had kids, I was like, oh, okay, I, I get that now. Mm. <laughs> like, I truly understand how... how your kids can make you put pieces of yourself aside Mm. so that you can, so that you can protect them essentially. Right. Right. So 
what is something that that your mother used to tell you or something that you something she used to say or that you would observe that you observed of her that you know comes back to you all the time now something that has stayed with you and lingered with you so my mom is like she's fiercely independent and so hardworking. Mm-hmm. um so I think one of the most like salient things that she modeled for me is work ethic like if it needs to be done she's gonna get it done mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um like I remember when I was applying for college and like filling out the FAFSA mm-hmm. I don't up until that point, like, I had, like, any real understanding of, like, like, what my mother earned, like, what her assets were, like, mm. how it worked. Um, and, like, that's not to say that, like, you know, like, we by, we by no means, like, grew up in poverty, like, we, we had a house for our entire lives, and my mother made, like, sound investments and saved and, like, was able to get not only the things that she needed, but also some of the things that she wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just truly did not understand like how hard she had worked to like build the life that she did and mm-hmm. kind of choose the family that she chose. Mm-hmm. Um, as an immigrant, as as a single mom, mm-hmm. as as a woman doing it on her own. I, I don't. I don't think I really understood that until much later in life. Hmm. Um, and I think that the other thing that she really models models for me is faith and gratitude. Hmm. So, I mean, like I said, like she's, she's fiercely Catholic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. there, there is no, there is no taking that away from her. Um, and although my relationship with Catholicism, my relationship with religion has shifted there's still there's still all of those seeds of spirituality that she planted mm-hmm. and all of those seeds of like you know prayers to the universe and truly being thankful for you know the rewards that you get from putting in that work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then most recently as a retiree she's like always in the garden mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, it's funny because she'll laugh now. Like, I never, not one day when I lived with my mom, went out in the yard and garden. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as you know, I am very much a, uh, a gardener now and growing my own food and all that stuff. So it's been, it's been really nice, like, I think over the last couple of years, being able to kind of connect with her on that um, mm-hmm. and kind of, like, build build a dialogue and see see, see us <laughs> like work to, work together um right. on those types of projects as well <laughs> yeah yeah um so i imagine some of what you're sharing you know with your mom gardening and stuff like that you know was that part of the way your mother cared for herself did you witness her like participating in self-care and caring for your caring for herself as you were growing up um you know i feel like i feel like she was supported right 
Um, but I don't know. I don't know if like self care was like really on her radar. Mm. <laughs> um, I don't think it's, and maybe. I mean, maybe the things that I, maybe the things that she, she did or, um, like, maybe the gardening was her form of self-care, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But she's such, she's such a selfless person. She very much, like, I feel like for her entire life, she's always, like, put, she's always put other people before herself. Like, she's always put, you know, someone else's care or enjoyment you know, mm-hmm. before her own. Like, she makes sure that everyone is covered. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like in many ways, like, I'm still trying to figure that out for myself, too. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, based on watching her, I feel very... I feel like a lot of how I define love is based on sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that now she's, she's like later in her late life, like she's starting to come, come to terms with what it means to, to not always bend over backward for someone else before you do what you need to do. Mm. Um, and just, I think she's really starting to get enjoyment out of, out of being, being around family without distractions if that makes sense like the distraction mm. of the distraction of the responsibility that she wore mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. like for example she's a grandmother now obviously mm-hmm. um, and she's she's so present as a grandmother mm. um, i think present probably present in many ways that she couldn't be with my brothers or me mm. um because when, you know, when you're doing it, she had a support network, but she, when you're doing it by yourself, like, mm-hmm. there's, there's just things that you don't have, have the space to do. Right. Um, and that's not to say that she wasn't there for us. Like, she, she was at all of my performances. Like, if I had teacher-parent conferences, she was there. But I feel like there's there's so much in your head right? when you have these responsibilities that I feel like now she can just kind of not do it again, but, you know, be there for her grandkids in a way that's just kind of like fun loving and carefree Mm -hmm. and, you know, doesn't bear the weight of, you know, being, being the person that has to be on point. Right. Right. So, How do you, how do you care for yourself then, you know, given what you observed of your mother, um, how do you go about caring for you now? You know, I, I think I'm still figuring that out. Um, I feel like my, my situation, my context is, is different than my mother's, right? So my mom, she was a single mom, though it be with a support network. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and I have a life partner who I'm doing this with. So I feel 
feel like that that shifts the narrative a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm a stay at home mom, mm-hmm. so I'm with the kids full time. Um, and you know, mothering can become you know all consuming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, still trying to figure out that balance of of being there for the kids but also still modeling that I'm there for myself if mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah. yeah um and you know that's hard in the early years when they're like newborns and toddlers and like their worlds really revolve around you mm-hmm. um but like now, now, now I'm starting to be, I'm starting to, you know, go into the phase where the kids are older and they need me less. Um, but it's been a long time. <laughs> it's been, a, it's been years of, of these little, these little people needing me right. for everything. Um, so I think I'm still relearning, uh, how to be there for myself. And also, the you know, the woman that I was before I had kids is completely different now. Mm. I had a completely different career. Um, I was, you know, I was pursuing different things, both professionally and personally. Um, so things have shifted. And mm. I think, I think as I start to try to reintroduce myself to who I am now um I think some of the ways that I've been trying to do that are you know diving deeper or exploring things that you know were kind of like pet projects or you know just like glimmers of interest Mm. you know whereas I used to work in like education and you know federal grants and that kind of stuff um I've always loved uh architecture and interior design mm-hmm. um so the i think the the biggest way that i've been caring for myself lately is really pursuing those interests right um, and you know just you know giving myself the space to to see where those things might take me mm. right right so Given what you have, you know, observed and experienced with being mothered in the way that you were and given your own experience mothering, what advice would you offer someone who was embarking on, you know, the journey that that is motherhood? Oh, man. Um, The role of mother can consume you. Um, and I think it can really cause you to forget your truest self. Mm. And I think it's important, like super, super important for you to continue to love on and trust that you know what works best for mm. your specific situation, right? Mm-hmm. Your specific context. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it can be easy to get lost in the noise lost in the like sometimes chaos of the day-to-day and and then you get distracted by other people's advice like what other people think work best or that worked best for them Mm -hmm. 
But in the end, you have to define and live your own motherhood. Not anyone else's, but mm-hmm. yours. However it is that you define that. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Mother's Gardens. If you want to support the show, you can make a sustaining donation on Patreon by visiting our page, Our Mother's Gardens. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at Our Mother's Gardens PC. Our Mother's Gardens is a Honey Bunch of Stinkweed production. The podcast features music produced by Pata. 